0: Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where Beige is on the grind this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host Beige. Getting that money, getting that XP, getting that money, getting that XP. <laughs> Today we are talking about JRPGs, just like we said we would do. Um, you've been grinding a lot because you've been playing a lot of JRPGs. I, you have a giant list here. I don't know
1: where to oh, start, yeah. so I will let you pick where to start. Oh man, I've got so many. Like it's it's weird because I am. Uh, because i've dealt with bipolar 2 and that's really where i think some of this list comes from why it's so big because i have like i didn't even count them when i posted them on twitter this morning but i have like three dozen rpgs or so on here that that i've either bought or or have access to in some way that I need to play, and so it's uh, it's crazy that I'm doing that. So this is what a hypomanic state of mind looks like, where I go all out, like trying to be as uh, as widespread on one thing as I can. So uh, it started with Nino Kuni 2 Like that game is fantastic, and I still haven't gone back to beat it because I'm still invested in Xenoblade Chronicles. I think I'm 48 hours into it at this point, and i'm nearing the final boss i'm at maybe the uh the the boss that's right before the final boss and uh it's it's fantastic that these i'm gonna have to give myself a break from the xeno games after this because they're very long and very intense but it's these are the xenoblade series is fantastic and i don't know why i mean i said last week i didn't know why i bounced off of chronicles and the further i get into it i'm just like man i wish i would I'd finished this before. That it's it's great. Yeah, I gotta. I'm I'm gonna pick up too.
0: I put it in my GameFly queue since I re-ups to that. But I don't know if it's gonna click with me the way it clicked with you. But I'm glad that like yeah you found it because I, I mean I've been talking to you a bunch and I know how much it's been good to have something to just kind of like throw your energy into. And those games are yeah. long, which kind
1: of fits for what you need right now. They are. And the weird thing is, and I think it's because of how I'm approaching them right now. Is they're not as long as people told me they were. That I know that. Jay spent 93-ish hours in Xenoblade 2, and it took me 66. And I've heard that the first one is just as big, and I'm probably going to beat it by 52-ish, and uh, where it's not even as long for me. But I'm not doing a lot of the side quests. I realized that as I went through this one, that I don't necessarily like anything but the main story in these that i'm not doing a lot of the side exploration and getting a lot of the the extra stuff that's in the xeno games that i'm only there for the main story where this isn't one that i'm exploring every nook and cranny because there's not a whole lot of rewards or extra story in the side quests for it that they're not terribly interesting so i'm getting through them a little bit faster than a lot of people would and i'll go into another one where i like side quests and things like that That pretty soon, I'm sure. So, are you still thinking about jumping over to like Xeno Gears or Xeno Saga? What are the other ones? Those are the two, right? Well, Xeno Gears was the first one that came out on the PlayStation. Yes, and I know then that one. Xeno, And then Xeno Saga was on the PS2, and there were three of those. And then there's one more Zeno Blade game that was on the Wii U, that's Zeno Blade Chronicles X. And I will eventually get through all of those. But I've started Zeno Gears again, because I have it on the Vita, on the... Ba- what's the virtual console basically where you play ps1 classic games and i think i'm 10 hours into it and it's still really really good that the battle system in it is just fantastic and so i'll go back but i just don't think i have one of the uh one of these theologically inspired rpgs in me i think i kind of want an everyday ordinary uh, jrpg about uh fantasy weird stuff and somebody trying to blow up the world or something like that kind of like Nino too Oh, yeah. And you're going to jump back to that. And then you said maybe even, you know, Kuni won. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to do Nino Cooney 1 first because I've read more about it and I have it. I borrowed Austin's copy of it and he uh, has told me how it is way longer than the second one. He's just getting to where he's platinum trophying the second one uh, on PSN, on PS4, rather. He may do it tomorrow when he returns from a trip and then uh, he's got like one thing left to do and he'll platinum it. And I, I can't remember how many hours he said it took him, maybe six. 60 um but it's he has way more hours than that in the first one and he never even beat it so just talking to him i'm like i'm probably gonna go into uh i'm gonna finish nano cooney after this and then most likely i'm probably gonna dig into something like um Star Ocean uh, integrity and faithlessness, and I know you bounced off of that one really hard, but uh, knowing what you bounced off of it, because you wanted a sci-fi game, right? That's the one where you wanted a sci-fi game, and it was more of a fantasy RPG, if I'm remembering right.
0: Yep. And I've heard that it gets to the sci-fi, but it takes like 10 or 20 hours. And I just I didn't
1: have that in me. I bounced off of it pretty quick. And I've read that it's only about 10 to 15 hours long. So I figure if I can do a shorter one like that. And the, I think the way it was put to me was that if you look at it kind of like a Star Trek away mission, then uh, you you see how the sci-fi fits into it all. So I'm like, okay, I can, I can do that one. But so I'm either going to, so I'm going to do that. I hope it's and then I ha- joined a uh, game game not GameFly. Uh GameSpot, Nope, GameStop. They're pro thing <laughs> because I was because I bought a new 2DS and a new th- uh, and a new 3DS recently for this. Like I I tell you I'm going all in and uh, I returned the new 2DS. I uh, I ordered GameSpot GameStop, excuse me, had a thing where they have their like like bundles of pre-owned consoles and they had a new 3ds with donkey kong country 3d and kirby 3d for the same price that a new two, uh, new 2ds goes for so i bought the new 2ds and i but then i saw that bundle so like i got it at walmart i can just take it back and so i did i ordered that way till it came in and basically compared the two and the new 3ds is hands down better than the new 2DS in pretty much every way that uh, it is it feels sturdier at with both of them side by side the new 2DS that like I'd seen everybody say that you buy this if you're you know you're coming in late to the uh, the 3DS party and you have games you want to play and you get this one because it's more affordable and it's better and it's not, it feels cheap that the extra thirty-ish dollars that it takes to buy a, a 3DS generally is worth it in every single way the battery lasts longer the the screen is better they have different shaped pixels on there did you know that yeah i mean
0: i've my kids have 2ds's and i have a 3ds so i don't have we don't have either of the latest iterations of them but yeah i mean 2ds's are made with kids in mind like they're plasticky and they it's not that they're cheap but it's that they like they have that cheaper feel like almost like a toy yeah. and less of an electronic, and 3ds are really
1: like geared for adult gamers. And that's the way that the new 2ds was that I it felt it actually felt flimsy, like the top of it wobbled whenever I was playing it, and the screen on it had square pixels that you could see, whereas the 3ds has round pixels, which is strange. But the way they do the 3d, so it, the text on the 2ds was really jagged and hard to read. A lot of it that. It it was just a really weird experience, and so I bought the new 3ds. And when I joined uh, their pro thing because it basically got me the was the same price as what I was buying that day, it uh, I bought. I got a coupon for a buy two get one free, so I bought Dragon Quest 8 uh because my friend Bobby has been playing it on Twitter and posting pictures and it made me want to play it. Uh Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance because I never even got the PlayStation 4 version of it, so I figured I could get this one, uh carry it with me and then uh Shin Megami Tensei 4, which I'm really excited about. Um I'm I'm not sure how I will like it because uh, I think Jay said that it was like the most hardcore of all the JRPG series, but it seems so much more interesting to me than the Persona series. So I'm going to try it first and then probably not dig in until I'm ready, but I want to see what it's like because I've read a lot about it. I've tried a couple of the Shimigami Tensei games
0: and I couldn't get any purchase in them at all like I just couldn't latch on um I tried I think I'm just waiting for the next one at this point because yeah. there's one in development for the switch so I'll probably try it again there but I mean I don't know I like Persona so much and so many of the cool things in Persona with like the social links and the story and just what they do in terms of like the tone of the game Um, And the approachability of it, like all of that draws me in. And a lot of that
1: is just missing from the mainline games. And see, I don't care anything about the social stuff. That even the part of Persona Four that I played, I didn't that's care my even not part. as much as that. And I like the dun- not dungeon stuff, the demon stuff that they have, uh, where you capture demons and kind of fight with them. I like the darker tone in the main series because I've always kept up with uh, like that part of it, even when it when I was a teenager. And um, but I don't. I wanted to try some of the spinoffs, like the new. There's one coming out. It may have come out today, actually, as we when we were this the new shin megami tensei i can't remember the name of it on the 3ds but it's one of those weird first person dungeon ones where you have to yeah. like map out the dungeon yourself i tried one of those and i, I i'm oh man they're weird how did you they're like weird. it
0: i did not like it i'm not a big fan of like the first person camera viewpoint for rpg mm-hmm. well for jrpgs for western rpgs right. it's a totally different thing but for jrpgs i'm not a big fan of like that point of view i just I don't know something about it doesn't quite work for me or click with me which is also maybe one of the reasons some of the earlier Dragon Quest stuff didn't work for me very well um yeah but like I saw you have eight on your list I'm still excited about 11 I just I think I yeah. want to like Dragon Quest more than I do and then Shin Megami Tensei might be the same thing. I, I kind of want to like it more than I've actually liked it, but I'm willing to give both of those series another shot when they come out with their next iteration.
1: Yeah, and I'm the same way. I'm actually the same way on that because of, like, I hear you talk about Persona so much. Like, everybody loves Persona. And I really, really want to get into it. And the one of the reasons I'm waiting on uh, the Persona game specifically, well, there are two reasons, is I want, like, a portable version of Persona 5 like they did with persona four golden i want one of that for five on the switch or the vita whichever because there is a ps3 version of of five and on top of that it's like 95 hours long how long to beat has the story on just the main line all the way through for persona five at like 95 hours did you was yours that long when you did it yeah you mean, went through you on that, that one it- you
0: know that I read fast, and I usually mm. get to a point where I kind of, like, crit path a game as much as I can. Mm-hmm. That It still took me 70 hours. My first playthrough. So it's, I mean, I know people who have done over 100 easily. I know a couple people that have done like 150. That seems very excessive to me based on what I ran into. But yeah, I mean, I think around the like 90 hour to like 110 is pretty normal.
1: Yeah. And so that's one reason when I saw that, I actually took it out of my PlayStation cart during their recent uh, golden sale that I was just like, I'm going to wait and not spend my money on it because I don't want one that is going to be pretty much guaranteed to be that long uh whereas i've been coming in under on the others so i also want to like dragon quest it's i'm the same way you are that i got excited when i saw some videos of 11 and i looked at it and i was like yeah I, i'm interested in this i don't know a whole lot about it but and then almost immediately i saw bobby post a picture of dragon quest 8 on his 3ds and it just looked so cool and so i just want to try it and i figure for th- with getting cheap stuff like that um and since i got physical copies i can toss them up on ebay and get most if not all of my money back whenever i do it so it and do whatever else i want since i didn't just buy digital on them
0: well and i see you have ever oasis and radiant historia on here too which are also 3ds 2ds games so i'm assuming that was part of your decision
1: yeah and i want to try those i've read so much about them and i think you and i i don't remember if we were on air yes, uh, last week or not when we were talking about radiant historia but it's uh where you go back and forth in time and it sounded really really neat to me just the uh the messing with the time streams in a fantasy world like that and then Ever Oasis was described in a review that I read. Uh well it's a Nintendo game that got put out by the guy who made Secret of Mana. So it's like Secret of Mana meets Harvest Moon. And I don't like Harvest Moon, but that combination seems like it could work really, really well together because of taking just the basics of each of those together, uh really, really sounds cool to me. So yeah, I, I will of that one, and it was, it was a little
0: too like chibi for me. You know what I mean? Was it? Yeah. Yep. And I mean, it's obvious that it is a chibi type of game. Like, is right when you get into it. But it, yeah. I don't know. I know a lot of people that enjoyed it, so maybe you will. I, I didn't. Yeah. But it was one that like. I didn't bounce off it because it was bad it was just like the tone and the style I was like "Eh, I'm not feeling this I
1: think is what happened yeah and that's prob. that's why I've got the demos of those because I'm like the others I know I have way more of a chance of playing through just based on what I know about me and what I know about the games and given how I'm kind of using these as a as a way just to completely escape a lot of things right now it's like okay i don't know if i'll play these two i don't want to spend the money but i'm probably gonna enjoy dragon quest 8 because i'm taking a lot of advice from people whose games who also like the same kind of games i do right well, now so uh, so i was gonna
0: ask you too like i mean i know you posted your like master list on slack <laughs> and on twitter you narrowed it down for our show notes today which i appreciate but yeah you also like have a couple in there that are older so you have like legend of dragoon yeah. you have like two wild arms games um Wise Isn't wise like an older series, too? I mean, I know it's also newer,
1: but it it goes a ways back. Yeah, and well, Legend of Dragoon I wanted to play because you and Austin both told me about it. More him, but I know that you've played this one that we talked about. Yeah, the Um, more we talked about it, the more I realized I think I actually beat that game
0: when I was a kid. Mm. And I think I'm the one who told you when you went to start it that I
1: did not think it had aged well. And I'm assuming I was right you were absolutely right okay because i got it i think it was it was on a playstation sale a long time ago where i think it was three dollars so with with it being like austin's favorite uh, rpg when he was younger and got him into jrpgs is like yeah i'll try this for three bucks and i I downloaded it and i had it on my vita all the way uh, on the way down to, to disney a couple of weeks ago and i deleted it off of my playstation after we're like two battles maybe off of my off like two battles because they're so slow that PS1 games tended to take their time with the animations because they were really showing off that new 3D and the timing mechanic was cool that that you had to tap a button at a certain time as your character attacked to be able to get extra bonuses and do combos and things that's cool but it was so slow the rest of it that I was I just bounced right off of it but it was neat to look back and be like oh that was one of the first voice act voice acted jrpgs that that came out so yeah that's like one of the only things i remember from it is that timing based
0: mechanic where you actually have to like time your attacks and then the uh other thing i vaguely remember is like transforming with something that like in my mind is equated to like power rangers but i think you got wings and you became a dragoon and that's where the thing is name comes from yeah pretty much very fuzzy in my mind but i remember enough to think that it probably would not hold up to any kind of modern standards at all
1: no it doesn't and uh the translation was apparently just just god-awful and Austin was telling me about it like he would send me messages of whenever something just came through where the localization just didn't work and there was one character at one point he said uh, it was like yeah and I want to read all of the books but instead it said something along the lines of I'm going to eat all of these books and it was just hilarious because he had, he had transcribed out the entire conversation and it just made the worst sense and I don't even remember the rest of it, it was like I'm going to eat all these books that he he's just this librarian saying this out of nowhere. It was, it's just like those kinds of localization errors. So, wow, that's pretty intense. It, yeah. It, it had one of the bad ones. Uh, one of those, those bad translations going through but and i don't i don't know, i think it's east but not not oh, wise yeah. but i've always ease. say wise no you're right That's, uh, i think I grew i've heard up.
0: people pronounce it that way but it's just the
1: letter y it's like a capital letter letter yeah. y and it always is followed by an, and s. an s. s so yeah i didn't know i'd always called it wise it was like uh, i can't remember the old one wise wanderers from wise or something like that when i was a kid and then the it was the newest Nintendo Direct video when they pronounced it. They were like, East the Lacrimosa, Lacrimona of Dana, Lacrimosa of Dana, something like that. It that was series like, has oh, weird names. That's it's one pronounced East, uh. Yeah, and it's weird. And looking at that one got me more interested in that series. So I did some looking and I downloaded uh, East Memories of Celsetta, uh, which is like one of the best entry points to the series I read. And they're basically Kingdom Hearts meets Zelda-ish kind of uh kind of action rpgs thing where they have a story and they all follow the same guy where he was he was wrote a journal of all of his adventures and each of the each of the the um games follows a different story basically that he had chronicled of him except for i think east origins and it seems really neat and people tended to love it and the more i've looked into it it's really hard that they have like they're designed to be really fast-paced frantic hectic battles and i got that from memories of celceta that celceta i have no idea kelceta i don't know C e e or c e l c e t a i don't know like you said they have weird they have weird names but uh it was fun but then and i was going to play through it on the way back from disney and then austin let me borrow xenoblade chronicles 2 and we both know how that's turned out so far and uh, (laughs) but but it's really good like but it's also really hard the first boss uh beat me like three times before i was able to beat it because there's kind of a rock paper scissors uh character swapping dynamic where every character you get uh, you can swap on the fly and they all have a different a kind of attack that is good for a different kind of monster but you, it happens so quickly that it's not really annoying you notice it you press a button on you're still attacking basically mid-swing where it's really cool and really fast-paced but it's not xenoblade and it just like i said it just grabbed me and uh well, and so what about i know i like put a bunch into my last question too but mm-hmm. i want to know about
0: wild arms also because that's one that's mm. like it's constantly held up as like a really good game or game series from that era but it's honestly yes. one that i've never touched like i know of okay it. i know kind of what it is but i've never played it i
1: loved wild arms when it came out it was what kept me and okay so this is this is gonna be really weird and, and everybody who's listening is gonna be like oh man wild arms is what made me have a good summer when my parents split up over the summer uh when it came out like it was brand new my mom and i moved out we were living living uh in town away from my dad and it was over summer break so i was sad and i played wild arms with my friend luke to be able to like we were both like super excited for final fantasy 7 and it hadn't come out yet it wasn't coming out until september and we we have wild arms and it was supposed to be the This this 3D battle, Legend of Zelda, kind of like like in the World Puzzles game, and so kind of like right now when there's some weird stuff going on in my personal life it's uh, it, it was uh, an rpg that kept me focused so i've got this kind of n- emotional nostalgia on it but okay. also it's just really good because other people ha- like like felt this too and the series has continued on and got kind of got this cult status where it's a fantasy world but it's based around old west stuff where all of the technology and things like that are almost steampunky west Stern where it'll be like desert cowboy-ish kind of outlaw stuff combined with high fantasy, which is really neat, and I like that kind of stuff, kind of like Dark Tower level of uh, of combination, uh, uh, kind of anachronism, where there's this high fan like high fantasy and this old civilization generally that left technology here, and there are arms that the where it, where it comes from is basically guns and weaponry that were left over from this old old civilization and the world map is in the first one is an overhead view like Zelda and there're Zelda puzzles in it and the battles are in 3D and the second one is and they're not related to each other other than all taking place on the same world but it may even be a different version of all the world of the world and uh but the second one's really cool and I got a few hours into it on the way down there and uh, just playing around, seeing what I wanted to play, and realize that this is that the Wild Arms Two is a PlayStation One game that straight up holds up. That it was fun to play in the battles. I was able to turn the Vita like fast loading on, and it didn't seem like it had PlayStation load times. It kind of had an isometric 3D view with sprite based characters, and it didn't look bad at all on the Vita. It was just you know this PlayStation game where it wasn't HD like Octopath Traveler, but it was that, but. But with jagged edges basically. And I liked it. Like the battles were fun. I was like, Oh yeah, this is why I liked that game where even now it, I'd never played that one, but I'm going to go back and finish this one eventually uh, because I thought I was going to play it. And then I discovered East and, did all sorts of other things and then Xenoblade came along again. Yeah, I know. You
0: just keep adding to your list, which, I mean, we should yeah. probably talk about. You added Tales of on here because okay, you yeah. and I have been talking about that. And I'm going to, I think I'm the fault here because I told you that I was going to pick up Tales of Berseria because it's one of the newer ones. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a really good, like, I don't know, the. What I heard about this story was interesting, but it's also supposed to be more standalone than a lot of the other ones are. But also, yeah, all of these take place in the same world, but like over not radically different times, but in like different areas of the world or different countries yeah, like I'm right. not. sure on how they tie together but they all do tie together more so than like a Final
1: Fantasy series yeah and at the same time they're completely not completely standalone but you can start with any of them and not feel like you've missed out on anything and I didn't realize until you were talking about Berseria that I'd looked it up and I know I texted you like whoa dude did you know this where it was i didn't know they were a series like i know that that sounds dumb but i didn't know that the tales of series was a ta- was a series i thought there was just these games that had that they were named that tales of so-and-so because the the uh, that's all that they had in common in my mind was like you know these you know tales of this it's so generic in terms of titles yeah that you, you you look for games in the, in the store, and you look at fantasy games. And it's like, oh, Tales of Berseria, Tales of Zesteria, Tales of the Abyss. And it's like, how do I know those are connected? And it turns out they are. And um, when you were talking about Berseria, I started looking, and it turns out that I'd played these before, and I didn't what? know it. Really? Wow. I didn't have... I didn't have any clue that I'd play these, so I started looking, and when I realized that they were were a series, I played the Japanese-translated emulator ROM of (laughs) Tales of Fantasia back in the day. I played Tales of Destiny on the PlayStation. I played Tales of Symphonia on the GameCube, and it's just like... How did I not know that I played them and I didn't know they were a series, man? And it's like, and then you said that so, Humble Bundle just is in the middle of their spring sale right now, and they have Tales of Symphonia, which is held up as the best one. And I never beat it on GameCube. I think it may have been a rental or a friend had had it when I was in college, and they had it for four forty nine. So I'm like, yeah, I'm picking up Symphonia for that. And I also noticed that um, that they have Zesteria and Berseria for 12 and 15 dollars i think but they're on pc on this one so i know that you were like i'm gonna play it on playstation but uh but i didn't pick any of those up but i did pick up tales of symphonia to go back into and uh and play again uh as well as on the 3ds apparently the best one is on 3ds and it's tales of the abyss that every every ranking thing that i saw had tales of the abyss in the top two that was looking at them i was like awesome i'll check that out and there's a vita one called tales of hearts too. tell yeah tales of hearts are maybe uh but it's there's apparently a lot of these that are very high quality that i know i like the series that i'd played and had no idea that they were the series cool i didn't know you had played them that's very interesting yeah i had no idea yeah okay well before we jump off the main topic
0: i have to ask since we're talking jrpgs Are you interested in the four job fiesta at all this year?
1: No. And I was going <laughs> to okay. tell you. I, okay, okay. Okay. And I Let was going to tell you Let me explain what it is first. In case. Yeah, okay.
0: If you weren't here last year or the year before. Um, I've done this. I think this is my third year. Maybe fourth doing it. I want to say third year. Um, it's where you play through Final Fantasy V. And they, you do it as a group. It happens in the month of June. Um, and you can register via Twitter. Uh you can go to, I think it's just forjobfiesta.com, but if you search or Google for Job Fiesta, it'll be the top result because there's nothing else for it. But <laughs> yeah. I mean basically, um you get assigned one class at every job crystal. And Final Fantasy V has like the deepest, well, one of the deepest job systems in the entire Final Fantasy series. And you get assigned one job at each job or at each crystal in the game, and that is the only job that you are allowed to use for one of your characters from that point forward. So in this giant game with all of these different jobs that all interlink and have interesting things you can play around with, you end up only being able to use four. And the cool thing is the game is diverse enough and like resilient enough that you can legitimately beat this game with any four options that it gives you, which is just incredible. Um, The challenge is that you don't get to control what four you get. So it's different every year. So
1: that's kind of the setup. Now tell me why you're not going to do it. Okay. So this gets into my geekery. So this is what I was actually going to talk about in my geekery. But so because of all this, I'd finished up my Brandon Sanderson binge and I finished Oathbringer and everything was good. I didn't have anything to read. I finished the newest version the newest um comic volume of saga and I was just out of things that I really wanted to lay in bed and read and I realized that I'd never actually finished the boss fights book on Final Fantasy 5 that you and I you and i were sent uh, the author sent it to us to talk about on the podcast so here we go yeah, talking Chris about Schuller. it again it, it's great like this is is a awesome book about the making and a fan's perspective on final fantasy 5 and it got me going right back into being a teenager again because once again i was one of those teenagers playing the fan translated final fantasy 5 rom uh because i couldn't get my parents to help me uh import the uh, the Japanese one and mess up my playstation my Super Nintendo so I'm reading this book. And it's talking about how wonderful the 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 job system is, right? And I'm thinking back to me playing Final Fantasy V recently last year on iOS before I got my Android phone, and uh, getting to I think the third world, and then bouncing not bouncing off, but I got a new phone and didn't have access to it anymore, and so I I didn't play it. And I realized I was it was talking about the four job fiesta in the book. It was talking about the guy who created it and how it does so one so many wonderful things for charity and uh so it's really cool and i realized reading this book that i don't like job systems that for me all all the games that i'm loving right now uh are, jo- are games where i'm playing them with the character classes as they come that i'm not moving like my blades in xenoblade 2 onto a uh, different character it's like oh if it comes with a tank uh tank blade he's going to be a tank and it's or she's going to be a tank actually and it's uh like these are what i'm playing and i realized that's why as much as i love final fantasy V, am not going after bravely default Because it's one of your, uh, like, you've told me it's one of the best RPGs on 3DS, that it's like a Final Fantasy game that's the best Final Fantasy game that's not a Final Fantasy game, basically. It is.
0: I mean, it's basically a direct follow-up to Final Fantasy V with, like, years and years and lots of experience in between. But, like, if you like job systems and if you like Final Fantasy V, you owe it to
1: yourself to play Bravely Default. And so... Yeah, and and knowing that, I'm not picking it up or the second one. The same thing happened with Wild Arms XF. It's not a JRPG, it's a, a strategy RPG. It's the Final Fantasy Tactics of the Wild Arms series. Except instead of a grid, it's on a hex Uh, hex board and they told you at the beginning of the game it's like maybe three or four battles in that all of the classes that you can be are you're basically that they all have different abilities that interact with the terrain and the, the boards and that you have to change your classes at every at the beginning of every battle so that you can take advantage of it and that's part of the strategy of the game not just the maneuvering and putting together the right party but actually changing your party around every battle and I realized I hated it that the games that make me change around my classes are games that I give up on because as much as I like these games, I'm not nearly as much of a systems guy as you are I don't understand how you're playing Final Fantasy V that many times through because I want to experience a new story I'm there for the characters and in the job system games they don't, and and Chris Kohler came up said this in the in the book that really solidified it for me that these characters because you're bouncing around different jobs uh, they don't necessarily have as much of a personality as they're given because a lot of times the characters classes kind of put in to their personalities in JRPGs. And that, I think that's why I don't get into games with job systems as much and why I don't enjoy them. And also because I feel like I have to get the very best all the time. And so I don't have fun with what I'm playing. I just feel like I need to level it up to get the next better ability because I can rather than just playing where I'm at with the game where it's like, oh yeah, when I get a new white mage spell, that's fine. But it's like, oh, I have to get white five. And so So I see where you're coming from. And, I like both
0: jobless and job systems for different reasons, but one of the reasons that I like Final Fantasy V for Job Fiesta is that it's so much more focused and it gives your characters a like, it doesn't give them a personality, but it gives them a class, and you can't change it. So, that like, is true. a lot of your problems with job systems would actually be eliminated by playing in the four-job fiesta, because you have no choice, there's nothing to work towards, it's just you are assigned a class, and then you put it on one character, and you can't change it, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is true. I hadn't thought about it that way, where that would be yeah, something Yeah. Well, so We were talking about do. it, I'm,
0: I'm in a Slack, well, I'm in a bunch of different Slacks, but one that I'm <laughs> um, in, a bunch of us do the four-job Fiesta. And we were talking about how your four-job Fiesta runs are actually way faster than a normal Final Fantasy V run. Because somebody in there who was interested in it was in the middle of their first Final Fantasy V playthrough right now. And they were like, well, how long is it going to take to get to the end of the game? And I threw out a number. And one of the other people in the Slack who knows Final Fantasy V like the back of his hand, he's like, no, no, no. That's a four-job Fiesta time. you got to double it to play the game normally. And I was Uh. like... Oh, I forgot how much more focused and how much more like how much less time you spend in battles and like grinding out levels and job levels and all that stuff because you only have one job per character.
1: Yeah, so you're not having to go through and get five or six different jobs between crystals and get new abilities to swap in and out so you don't have that extra grind that that's. Yeah, I could totally see it be not taking nearly as long like that. Yeah, so I, I think
0: this year, um, I haven't ever had to pay. You don't have to pay, but if you get a class you don't like, you can pay to switch into a different class. That's part of the like donation fundraiser that goes on. Um, That's there's still a still
1: random, right? You don't pick that one. No, it's still you can given pick. to you. So you
0: can oh. buy your way into whatever class you want. So oh, okay, um, this year just because like it's by third or fourth year doing it, and I've never done a, a run with a knight and i've always wanted to like get that as my first draw so i think i might pay my way into making my first class a night this year just so i can donate oh. a little and just because i want to try it out so we'll see how that
1: goes i hope i was really hoping this year that you get a berserker that I'm crossing my fingers that one of your characters is a berserker. Well, I've never signed up for a berserker risk. So
0: that's one of those oh. things, too, where um, people can put money in ahead of time, like after the, the registration starts, but before the fiesta actually kicks off. And for every, I want to say it's like every $10 or every some amount of money, um, one more berserker gets added to the pool. And then when you register, you can say whether or not you want a berserker risk and then it will distribute it only to the people who say that they're willing to have it. So some years, if a lot of people pay in for the donations to get those the amount of Berserkers and then a little amount of people sign up for Berserker Risk, you can get parties that are literally all Berserker, all four.
1: Which, I was re- which he actually discusses in that book, which was interesting, where it was talking about ways that that can still beat the game. That you yeah, cannot oh yeah. control no, your like characters, but it's possible to still beat the game. Yep. Any combo
0: can beat the game, which is one of the reasons that it's so fascinating. And I I like doing it because the whole community that's into it plays it at the same time. So you have people to talk to about it. So it's not just about my run. It's about the runs of everybody around me and what classes they end up with. And just like talking through the strategy and the thinking behind the systems of like, how am I going to get past this one boss when I'm stuck with these guys? You know, like that's a big part of the fun for me.
1: And I know last year you found out that you could break staffs, like the staff weapons. That had to cast spells when you were having a hard time beating things. Yes, that helped me a lot. That's really good. Where it's just and that was one of the things the book was talking about with this stuff, like learning these systems that they're very intricate and very detailed that keeps it having this kind of replayability. That that is actually the reason I'm not playing this four job fiesta. That I'm like I want I want stories. So well, so so I like stories too. Those. It's
0: just. I don't know. I've enjoyed it the last couple times, and it's kind of nice to know, like, here's a game I can come back to, spend 25 hours on, and, like, re-engage with it for a little bit, and then set it down again for another year. And it's in a structured way that appeals to me. Like, start on this day, play with other people. Like, here's my group that likes to do it. Um, All of those things contribute to why I like it. But I'm sure... I'll bring it up again once we're closer and I'll make sure that people know where or when to register if you're interested. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. That's probably it for the main topic. Um, geeky offer for of the week really quick. You can go to gameflyoffer.com slash geek and get a free one month trial on us, get a free GameFly rental, whatever you want. I'm in the middle of it. I just resubscribed. Um, I'm getting two at a time though, because that's the kind of person I am. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, do that. It helps the podcast and you get a free trial, which is it, always good. Um, the network this week Geekitude. I think they took a week off but next week they're talking Deadpool 2 tea time with Katie and Chelsea they talked about their favorite movies of all time I just listened to that episode this morning and then I'm halfway into this week's episode of the comic box it's episode 99 out of 100 and Fletch took over basically and Rob was the co-host so it's been really interesting to listen to I'm going to finish it probably right after I edit tonight um Episode 100 is right around the corner. You got to get your questions in like now if you have any more questions for Rob, because that's it's almost time. He's almost going to close the comic box, guys. Um, besides that, Weekly Geekery. You kind of covered your main thing. Do you want to talk about your other your other little thing, and then I'll fly through a bunch of uh, mine?
1: Yeah, The um, I got a new chair, and I didn't think about it. Uh, I've had it for a while, and I'd been wanting one of those kind of gamer chairs, like those DX Racer gamer chairs with the black and bluish or green highlights and everything. And I'd wanted one for a while, but I didn't want to pay for it. And I, my back started hurting now that I'm working from home and in a chair all day, That I, and I realized that the office chair chair that I was in used to belong to my dad and it was 20 years old that actually oh, it was wow. 19 years old excuse me that uh, my dad got it when we moved into a new house when i was 16 and uh, that that was 19 years ago so it had gone through my dad and me, and I, that was just what I had. that I've been using this entire time, so it was time for me to get a new chair, and so I decided to, to buy one, and I looked and did the research, and I didn't want to buy one of like three to $500 gaming chairs or anything, so I looked at the reviews. I saw, you know, read the one stars, the five stars, the middling ones, and I found one with a footrest and the one that reclines. Like, I am reclined out right now as we're rec- this with my seat back my arms above my head and my feet out on the uh, the reclining footrest like it's awesome like for a gaming chair an office chair it has made me so much more comfortable uh just working and playing and also apparently you like it because i did not realize that i squeaked during the podcast that you had to edit out well, that my chair speak. was Your very chair noisy
0: sweet. yeah yeah well It wasn't horrible, but that's when I noticed. I was like, one week, I was like, did you get a new chair? Because there were no squeaks in your last audio track. And you were like, what are you talking about?
1: (laughs) So that was fun. Yeah, and it was something that I just tuned out. I mean, obviously, I'd had it for 19 years, so I didn't think about the uh, sound anymore. I was just used to, it was just one of those ordinary sounds. So for me, when you said no more more squeaks, I was like, yeah, I did get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: cool. Well, this week I had a bunch of stuff, but I think I can fly through the first set of it here. Um, I played a little bit of Fortnite because they had the Thanos crossover, which yeah, did you see that? I
1: did. Like okay. That one was cool. I'll, I'll give them that. I was impressed by that crossover. I know some people are like, oh my God, crossovers. I'm like, no, that's the kind of thing that would keep me interested in the game. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's cool. And like I said, the the rapid pace of iteration in Fortnite is a huge part of why I'm impressed by it. Um, with that said, I think I'm kind of like it's on the back burner now because season three, I went I don't know if I ever said on air, but like I went all the way up to tier 100. Like I did everything to unlock everything that I could in season three. And then I took a couple weeks off and then season four started and I booted up the game and it was just like seeing myself back at level one and tier one. I just didn't want to do like I it was was there's so much ahead of me that if I started I would know that I would feel like I need to play a lot so I could get like my money's worth out of the battle pass and I just wasn't feeling it yet so I think it's one that I'm going to put down and come back to at later some point I don't know when but like if they're going to do a new season every six to ten weeks that's fine like I can always jump in at the start of a new season later.
1: And that's completely understandable. I feel that way at the beginning of new Overwatch seasons where my ranking is terrible, like always terrible. I am not good. And it's uh, it's something that even at the beginning of a new season where I'm like, I have to go through these placement matches again and I got to deal with this where I don't even have a high rank. It's just it's just that idea of starting over after already being established in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did play another Battle Royale game this week. And it was called Maelstrom, which I always want to say that Maelstrom, but it's not. Um <laughs> nope. it, it was like a battle royale early access sailing game where well, you know that I like sailing combat, right? I and, know. Like Weird, and like broadside and like people and I, I always like that. I I'm, I'm a fan of it. <laughs> um and like this game, like getting broadsides and ramming people felt great. It felt almost a little bit toyish, but in a fun way, like they would really bounce off each other and like hit each other with more force than would ever be possible. It was going for like the stylish side of things, not the realistic side of things. Um, And like, there, there were a lot of cool things in it. So a bunch of ships all join. There's like small looting of NPC ships. So like right when the battle starts, um, it's not just open sea. There's like rocks and there's, you know, areas to sail between. So you have to be good at sailing and not get stuck. And then also okay. there's like all these NPC ships that you can take out. And every ship you destroy drops at least one power up. So it could be like speed or armor or firepower or whatever. And then it drops a bunch of gold. And the gold that you pick up is actually persistent from round to round. So over time you can upgrade your ship and i really like that persistent aspect especially right after feeling like i lost all progress in Fortnite, to go into a game like this it's a multiplayer game and feel like this gold that i was carrying over round to round i could use to like upgrade my ship and unlock new abilities and you can get captains like different captains different crew different abilities stuff like that you know that sense of ownership of all of that was very unlike Fortnite Battle Royale, but it was one of the reasons that I liked it a lot. Okay. Um, that being said, it was still very early access, and the way that manifests is that like matchmaking, I'm so spoiled on Battle Royale matchmaking <laughs> because Fortnite, you click the button and you're in a game in like five yeah. seconds and then it gets 100 people in that game in like another 10 seconds and then you're playing. It's like no time yeah. at all. It's not even enough time to like get up and use the bathroom or like grab a cup of water But between when you hit go and when you're like actually in the game. And this game... It only—it's not a hundred people. It was only like thirteen people in an arena, and I would join, and it would just be like waiting, 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 and then maybe someone else would join, and then it waits for a while. I don't think I ever got oh, into a game no. with a full thirteen people because it was early access. I think the most I ever had was like seven. Um, so oh man, I ended yeah. up I played like almost two hours of this game when I had set it down for the night, or I played for two nights in a row, and then I looked at my time and I realized that like the matchmaking part was bugging me. And I was just under two hours, so I Steam returned it. But if this game comes out of early access and it actually has a
1: community behind it, I will buy it again, like no questions asked. Which that makes sense. I mean, that's the kind of thing, honestly, and I'm... I'm I'm torn on you doing that because I'm a Steam returner. I mean, I do it constantly. But uh, with early access, those are the kind of things that, yes, you use Steam refunds for early access games like that. But also for the uh, developer, that kind of is like, oh, man, why did we lose that without any kind of feedback, you know? Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I got to... It, it didn't make oh, yeah, sense I would, to
0: hold on to it
1: so like oh I, yeah i would have i would have returned it too yeah, uh, yeah um i, I also mean. tried BattleTech and
0: returned it this week because it was so slow like i just i could not do it the turns and animations are way too slow for me um my brother gave me a bunch of tips because he's been playing about like options you can turn off to make it faster and it was still just like i don't know the animations and the time between turns and like how long each turn like Uh, level takes and like everything about that game is slow it's it's in a way it's bogged down by the fact that they were so authentic to the tabletop experience there's just like so many little bits and pieces but then also a lot of the decisions they made with like animations just didn't work for me so I tried it and I didn't like it I I wanted to like it, and I think when we talked about anticipated games of the year, this was one that was like an honorable mention for me. Like, It's just not for me at all, so I returned that one. Um, I still really like hearing about it, so if you're playing it, don't hesitate to like throw things my way because i honestly love hearing discussions about this game which is why i ended up
1: buying it but it's just not for me now with the animations on that one are they slow and kind of ploddingly paced or are they or are they deliberate because i mean but in in the end it's the same but did they do it on purpose or is it bad game design uh both both I okay. think it's both. Yeah.
0: Um, th- I guess the other games that I did this week. So Gamefly, I got, and again, I'm doing my normal Gamefly thing where I put a bunch of things in my queue and then I organize them opposite of the order that I think I'm going to enjoy them. So I put the things that I think I'm going to bounce off of right up at the top. And then I put the things I'm most interested in at the bottom so that I can just rapidly iterate through games. You know how I do this, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Um I got I love it. Shadow of the Colossus Remaster, and it's pretty. It's a very pretty game compared to what I had in my memory. Um the controls feel better better than the last time i tried to go back to it oh but God. they don't feel good <laughs> like no. the the climbing mechanics just feel dated and not modern at all so i beat three colossus really quick one night and then i returned it but that was enough i got my taste i got the pretty visuals and i was like oh yeah i like this game for these reasons i don't actually need to beat it again i'm fine um, and then i also grabbed dragon ball fighter z or fighters i don't know how it's pronounced <laughs> um it might be the prettiest fighting game that I've ever seen.
1: Like, Watch is, videos of it. It is pretty. It is.
0: It's super, super pretty. Um, I did all the training. I did some of the story. It's it's a fighting game. So I was done after like a day. Like that's that's, that's yep. all that it takes for me. I don't get into fighting games outside of Smash Brothers, but mm, it's questionable if Smash Brothers is really a fighting game or not. So that went back, but I'm glad that I got some hands-on time with it. Now when I see the gifts of it and, you know, like the occasional stream or whatever, I have a better idea about what's going on, which is
1: pretty cool. And I love Dragon Ball Z. That was one where growing up, like like everybody else in the late nineties where I was, that was my jam coming home from high school and watching Dragon Ball Z. Like I love it. But seeing those fighting games, I just I've never wanted to pick one up you know they look really cool i've watched videos of them but they've never appealed to me to want to actually play and hearing you say that it's just a fighting game kind of solidifies that for me because i'm the same as you you give me a demo of a fighting game and i'll play it for a while uh maybe a day and um, i'd be the same as you i'd return that one very quickly yeah yeah but that's what i thought
0: like i said i do opposite order of interest for game and it works out really well for me um I read a book this week. I read it in, I think, a day. Yeah, I read it in a day this weekend. I don't know how I managed to, just between doing stuff for my kids, I think it's literally the only other thing I did that day. But have you ever read Forever War? The Joe,
1: is it Joe Haldeman? It's Joe something, yes. Yeah, it's good. It is so good that it, it, yes, I've read it. It is awesome. Okay, it's...
0: I had never read it and somebody told me that it's in the vein of like old man's war and starship yeah that surprises me I thought you had read it no and I those are two books that I actually return to fairly often which I don't do that with things for the most part um so knowing that I went into forever war and it was really good um I didn't Hmm. know that there was a sequel also so I'm probably gonna pick that up soon yeah there's a there's a standalone novella that's kind of like similar but separate in a way but there's an actual second book in the series too so i did not know that yeah i might go grab that one and see what that's about because i really really like this book i mean i read it in a day so that says a lot about it um but if you I like
1: listen to the audiobook so that'll be really good for me with the uh with the sequel too because i like the audiobook a lot the acting was great yeah oh good good call you can always go and get
0: a free audiobook too um <laughs> slash geek. Uh, I think it's slash geek to geek cast, but Cash close enough. Slash geek to geek cast, yeah, sure. Yeah. Come so on. anyway, I've really liked Forever War and I can't remember what the next one's called, but I'll probably add that to my reading list. The one game that I played the most this week is Frostpunk. Have you heard about Frostpunk at all? I've heard about it,
1: I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I looked into it whenever I got a small discount on Green Man Gaming, I think, and not my kind of game at all. I looked at it, I was like, mm, hard pass.
0: Yes, so I was gonna say, if you, <laughs> if, well, I know it's not for you, especially not right now, but like, um if you are out there and like you're not in a good mood or you like at all sad or depressed do not play this game like under any circumstances you have to be in the right headspace (laughs) to deal with this game because it is a winter apocalypse survival rts and i did not know if that would appeal to me but oh man it appealed to me so much i was so surprised because like i've bounced off of so many rts games that i've tried in the last few years and this is just about survival, and I've bounced off of so many survival games, too,
1: yeah, so I didn't know that Master they're them one up, of your well, uh, yeah, yeah, they're one of your games where it's like, I love the idea of this, and then you play as like nope it's a survival game. so this is one that like does it
0: for me and awesome it's it was so good. and one of the things that I think was key was that it's an apocalypse that's just weather. it's not aliens it's not zombies it's not nuclear war or monsters it's literally just the environment it's just cold and okay something about that like cold and that like deep winter that just like resonated with my minnesotan heart you know like i know what it feels like (laughs) to be super cold and that is what you're fighting (laughs) in this game you are fighting the cold um it's like they don't know why and it's basically set in they kind of take it in a little bit of a steampunky direction but it's more of like an alternate history like industrial revolution where it just started snowing and then it never stopped and then it started getting colder and colder and colder um that's the setup for the game and it is a game of i mean it's an rts it's a base builder you're trying to build your base to survive and manage resources and stuff but the game is about hard choices and that's why it was so compelling to me because like choices really matter you know you get this big generator that goes into the middle of your base and you build out from it so you build out in circles which is interesting too it's not a typical like grid based system Mm. it's like a circle based building system and the whole point of the game is to like keep your coal burning generator going because that is the heater that's what runs everything that's what distributes the heat throughout your whole city and you have to like get your coal industry up and running so that you can supply it. And then as things get colder, you have to like increase the level of power you're putting into it. And then as you're sitting, like civilization well not civilization your city gets bigger you also have to expand the radius that it like pushes heat out to and all of those burn more coal so you get into this like loop of okay i have to use more coal but i also have to harvest more coal and that's just one resource you have to manage a bunch of other ones too there's things like passing laws right so like yeah one of the first yeah, things i'm looking is at these like, bullet points is, and i'm like man I know. And this is why I didn't know if it would be for me. Right. Like one of the first things that you run into with the first scenario is like, what do you think about child labor? Are you okay with it? If you are, you could pass this law. If not, you're going to have a bunch of idle hands sitting there not helping you survive. Do you want that? And It's like, no, I'm signing those children into labor. Like, let's do it. And (laughs) yeah, like, I mean, yeah. But then you also get into okay, well, you signed this child labor law like they have to work now. But are you gonna let them do any job or are you only gonna like let them do safe jobs, like quote unquote safe jobs? Oh, and I'm like, okay. oh, I I can't do I can't be super harsh. I'm gonna let them only do safe jobs, right? And a lot of the things are like that. Like um when you sometimes you have to force people to do like a 24 hour emergency emergency shift. Um <laughs> and they'll like get depressed or they'll get hurt because they're overworked and overtired. Um, one of the things in it is you can go down this one path on the medical well it's like a a law you can say that you will either (laughs) it's basically like you can do amputations and like let people survive but be amputated and not be able to work or you can do this other kind of like radical medicine that they will survive but they will never get better ever so oh man and it's like if you do that and then you keep going down the tree. eventually you can get to the point where you're like oh we can make prosthetics and then get these people back in the workforce which is cool but for a while you're going to have this drain on your civilization where these people aren't going to be able to help you at all and you need those resources for other things so this is what the game is like right i told my i when i finished the first scenario i i lost the first time and then i Stepped away for a couple hours and then I just came back and I played through the entire first scenario again, um, start to finish. And I beat it that time. And when I finished, I was just like emotionally drained, but so invested. And I felt like I had this incredibly intense experience that I just lived through. And it was a story that told itself through gameplay. Like I lost myself to it for like six hours one night. And there's something about that, like storytelling through the gameplay elements that Just resonated with me so much. And I finished it and I just sat down on the couch. My wife was like, What? And I told her basically (laughs) the story of every decision I made and like my civilization and what I did to survive and like these laws I passed. And it got to a point where like things were getting like way too disorderly. So then you either have to go down like this path of order or this path of religion. And it's like which one of those you choose will really influence a lot of the things that happen later. And Like, are you going to install yourself as like a despot? Like, are you going to just make yourself an unquestioning authoritarian leader? Um, yeah, like these questions are hard to deal with, but that is the kind of thing that I love to wrestle with in my head and is probably one of the best video game experiences I've had of the year. I don't want to say it's the best because it's super fresh and I have that immediacy to it that I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's so good. I want to sit and think about it but this game was kind of amazing to me i don't know what else to tell you there's a lot i can tell you i could tell you the entire story of my first scenario and my second (laughs) scenario because i remember every hard choice that i had to make but i don't want to spoil it for people and it's it's oppressive it's stressful like you feel and you hear the cold and like you feel
1: it in your bones and i'm like oh i know what this feels like um (laughs) but i really 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 liked it So, yeah, Yeah, that's one of those games where, yeah, I mean, it's not a game for me, but I appreciate after hearing about it that I appreciate the developers and the players like I understand why people would like it. I can appreciate that. Like, I know I would not have fun playing this kind of like that. This war of mine, I think, is a fantastic game that I will never play.
0: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I have found more and more lately that like the AAA games are really cool in their own way, but Every once in a while, I'll run into something for like a smaller dev or like an indie dev, and that will be my game of the year. And not that I'm saying this Mm -hmm. is my game of the year, but those will just like surprise me and come out of nowhere. Like, I hadn't really been paying attention to this game. I heard about it on a couple podcasts and I read about it a little bit, and I still wasn't sure. And like, I didn't know how much this would work for me until I was a couple hours into it. And I I just got
1: so invested in it. I think that's fantastic because I'm in that way a lot with games as well, where I'm just I look at the, the AAA games coming out and I'm like, I don't. Care about these big blockbuster games, but this indie one seems really neat. Or this small studio put out a really cool game that that I'm going to see. Oh, oh, this French studio put out this game. It's like, oh, I want to see what this one is. Those are the ones that are interesting me that I want to come back to, as opposed to, you know. I caught the next Call of Duty or something like that.
0: Yeah, and so I've played through two of the three scenarios that are in the game right now. I've beaten two of the three scenarios. Um, I've played more than that and lost, which is fine. Like, that's part of the game. But I'm going to go back. I'm going to play the third one. I don't know when because I need a break between each one because it, it honestly is intense to play. And then i think there's a fourth one sitting there that they're like coming soon so i'll probably play that too but yeah okay. i i just want more time with this game and i want more time to think about my experience with this game because it's super new at the moment but you know over time like your feelings about something solidify so well and this is something too that we always talk about at our mid year uh episode which is actually coming up it's almost june That's, which is crazy but that is nuts i know but just that like you know, we'll pick our top like five or seven or whatever we do this year, um, things of the year. But then over time, like they can shift, they can change as we think about it and get another six months, just like reflecting on things. Mm -hmm. And, this is one that I feel like the more I reflect on it, the more it might go up in my estimation. So don't oh. be surprised to hear about this one when we do our mid-year episode or maybe even the end of the year episode. We'll see. That's fantastic.
1: Like I, lo- I look forward to hearing about that because you don't get like this about games very often where this is a different kind of intensity about it than it was for Fortnite. Like it just it, – it- feels different i don't know this is more of a uh this is more of a an appreciation of quality than gameplay almost where you haven't said anything at all about what it takes to do it like the actual rts and survival part of it you've simply talked about theory like this is game theory stuff almost where you're uh you're just looking at what the developers have done in the experience which means it's probably a much more lasting experience lasting memory lasting impression that's the word
0: it was it was really really good. So if any of that sounds like remotely interesting to you guys, I would highly suggest checking it out. At least watch a video or something, but that doesn't do it justice. Like playing the game is where it's at. Um I think that's it for this week. Ending on a quiet down winter cold note i guess um but you guys can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek2geekcast we also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast
1: and make sure that you check out our Slack, too. We are on Slack at slack.geektogeekcast.com, and you can get your invite if you go there. And we're also, like we said earlier, part of a podcast network. So head over to geek2geekcast.com to see all of our shows. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej and I blog somewhere, some places, sometimes. <laughs> We've been voiding and Beej with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week.
0: See you next week, geeks. Bye, Geekos. And remember, this week, keep it geek.